Well, um, there's a lot of things that one could speak about, right, in a wedding, at a wedding. And you've presented me kind of with kind of a challenge with these three readings that you wanted to be read. Especially the second reading, I, I suppose everyone knows, you know, I was wondering to see if anybody's going to walk out of the church. But nobody did for some reason, but anyway. But maybe, maybe I'd like to focus on above all one idea, and that is, I mean, there's a lot of things happening. There's music, and there's lots of people, and, and we have a big, long ceremony, and so on. But really, the most important part of this whole thing is it just takes, just takes a moment. No, it's that moment when you say yes to each other. That small little word, in German even smaller than in English. Das Ja-Wort. No, it just, it, just takes, it just takes a moment, it just takes a second. And for me, it's always been amazing to think about how incredible it is you know, that this capacity of the human person to make a decision in a moment that can change his whole life. And I think the important thing here is not to get distracted for you, the both of you, with all what's happening all around. Notice the pictures are going to, they're going to turn out, or did they remember the horse carriage afterwards, or how's the food going to be tonight, or I mean, I wonder what the, you know, the speeches are going to be like, etc. But to focus on what's most important, the most important thing in your life, maybe most important moment of your life, no? when you're going to say to each other this very simple word, but which is so charged with meaning. And I'd like to contemplate, perhaps, with you or think about three dimensions of that word, taking them from the readings that you've offered me to work with. And, and those three elements I would call freedom, first one, the second one, mutual submission, and third, generosity. So let's start with the first one, freedom. We, we've, had, we've heard that in the first reading, you know, this idea we hear about Tobit and he's, he's worried that he's going to die as all the other seven future husbands that were going to marry this woman died in that night. And we, I mean, we don't hear that today because we're... You know, it's a joy joyful opportunity, and we don't want to... But really, it's quite a dramatic story. And there's a moment where he says, well, I take this woman not out of concupiscence, not because out of begierde. In German, it's beautiful, has a beautiful play on words, no? Because begierde in German has the word gear, which is like grabbing onto instead of allowing myself to be gifted by someone. And... And I think, that, I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make is the first reading, also, in, even in the gospel, no, when Mary comes to Jesus and says, they have no wine. Like, she's not saying, naggy, nag, 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 hey, you know, they got no wine. You got to do something. I mean, get with it. Come on. You can, it's about time. I mean, you're 30 years old. Get out of the house. You've got to start your Messiah job. You know, you can't live at home forever. She doesn't do any of that. She just says, they have no wine. Very beautiful. And, and here you, you see this idea of freedom, which is so important for this word that I'm going to say, that you say it out of freedom. That's so important that even, you know, the church would say, well, if, if there's no freedom here, there's no marriage. The, the, the precondition for there to be a marriage is that there's two people that are mature enough to realize what they're getting into and saying, yes, I want this. 
or better said, yes, I want you. Or even better said, yes, I want to give myself to you. And my life's project now is to make you happy. My life's project is not that you make me happy. But I'm coming here that you, I want to make you happy. That's what I'm saying yes to. And that's a free decision. Now, freedom has two aspects. First of all, it's freedom from something. I'm not being driven to do this. It's not the expectations of others, of my parents, of my friends, of whatever society that says, hey, you got to get married. No, it's because I have made the decision to do this. I'm not being pressured here by anybody. It's freedom from. I'm also not just hormone-driven or feelings-driven or sentiments-driven or emotions-driven. John Paul II, in one of his great books, Love and Responsibility, makes this beautiful distinction. And he says, you know, there's three levels in love. First is feeling. When you fall in love and you know you want, this is awesome, you know, I want some more of this. But little by little, love starts growing, you know. But the feeling level isn't enough because the feeling level is just something that happens. It's not the result of a free decision. And love always presupposes freedom, right? You can't tell somebody, hey, you got to love me, darling. You understand? Like right now. That doesn't work like that, right? Love always presupposes freedom. So if I'm just doing something because I've got great feelings towards you, well, that's like not enough. It's wonderful. Probably nobody would get married if that wouldn't happen. But it's not enough for a stable relationship. And then you have the level of the emotions. And the emotion is a little bit more objective because the emotion is your reaction to something that I really see or perceive to see in the other. How the person dances, what the person looks like, how the person treats me, the character of the other person. But still, it's something that kind of happens. It just happens. It's not something I can fully control my emotion. So love has to take another step. It has to get to the level of what the Bible would call the level of the heart, not the place that goes ba-dum, 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 but this deeper interior level of the person where I recognize value and where I make a free decision. And that's this second part of freedom, freedom for something. You know, I'm making a decision for someone. Because freedom is precisely to make a decision. That's what freedom is for. And I know that's kind of counterculture to say that. Because how often do we hear, freedom is, do what you want. Keep open all the possibilities in your life. You know, you've got to be able to do everything and anything you want, anytime, anywhere, anyhow. That's freedom. Really? Really? Is that really freedom? Or is that not, is that not rather just slavery to your lack of decision? And if you think about it, it makes, you know, it's pretty easy, I think, to understand that. No, if you're tonight, you've got, well, not tonight, because we're going to eat something a little better than, but on, let's say on another night, you're thinking, well, do I have Big Mac or do I have a Whopper? Well, what does my freedom help me if I don't make a decision to eat either the Big Mac or the Whopper? No, if I'm constantly there, Big Mac, Whopper, Whopper, Big Mac, Big Mac, Whopper. Well, I'm going to go home hungry if I continue on like that. So freedom always, the, the purpose of freedom is to decide, right? Freedom realizes itself in the decision. That's what makes us free. That's what helps us to get to, well, helps us to realize ourselves as, as people is that, is to make, make a decision. Now, when you decide for another person, of course you're saying no to 500 
million, maybe, other possibilities. You know, it could be possible, more or less, between somewhere in the married range of people that are walking around on the face of this planet right now. So, but hopefully when you're saying yes to your wife, you're not saying, oh my God, I'm saying no to so-and-so, and I'm saying no to so-and-so, and I'm saying no to so-and-so. Just like when you're munching your Whopper, you're not saying, oh my goodness, I'm not having a Big Mac, and I'm not having the Wienerwald, and I'm not having the pizza, and I'm not having whatever else. I'm happy because I have what I have, right? I made a decision. Decisions can be extremely liberating, and express, especially the decisions for love. John Paul once said a great thing. He said, the human person has a greater longing for love than he does for freedom. Freedom is the way, is the means, and love is the goal. So first, first thing is that, freedom. And freedom because I love you and not because I want you to give me what I want. I'm not a slave of my egotism. My precious mind shots. Okay, not everybody has seen um, <laughs> The Lord of the Rings, I guess. But, you know, my precious. So, first of all is freedom. Second of all, now this is a tough one. This is a tough one. We just, I mean, we read a reading which is really provocative and really, it seems to be totally counterculture, but I think it's not, actually. Okay, I, I don't have it here in English. Eine ordne sich dem anderen unter in der gemeinsamen Ehrfurcht für Christus. Ihr Frauen ordnet euch euren Männer unter, wie Christus dem Herrn. Denn man ist der Haupt der Frau, wie auch Christus der Haupt der Kirche ist. No. Women, submit yourselves to your husband. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, have you ever met my husband? You know? Um, now, I, I was listening to this podcast the other day from a guy called Annie Stanley from, from Atlanta, who I admire a lot. And he, and he had this idea, and I just want to share this idea with you, which I think is very powerful. Because what is the verse what's just before that? It says, each one submit to the other in the common reverence before Christ. So what, what's happening here? What's happening here is, here's Paul, here's Peter, and they're thinking, well, what does what Christ says, you know, the gospel, it's full of this love thing. It's everywhere. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. He who loves has fulfilled the law. But what does love mean practically? I mean, what does it mean for me? Now, Paul is trying to think, okay, what does this love thing, what we, just, we see on the cross, this total surrender, what does that mean for a couple? What does that mean in family? And so he says, the first thing is, is and this is kind of like the umbrella statement for everything else, the one person submit to the other in the common reverence for Christ. And then he starts making co concrete applications. And he says, okay, women, submit to your husbands. Now, when, you know, sometimes men come and they come to talk and they say, you know, somehow my wife doesn't seem to understand this. Well, what's the very first word that appears here? Women, he's not talking to men, he's talking to women. So like, this is not about you. I mean, there's something he says to men afterwards, but this is about to the women. But what does this submission mean? It's, it's not like, oh, wow, well, and now I have to, you know, polish the shoes of my husband, and the husband has to polish mine. 
but it's this idea of, of sub, sub mitere from the Latin. It's you're throwing yourself underneath the other. You're leveraging everything that you are and everything that you have and everything that you have access to, your power, your energy, your, your life, everything that you, that you are as a person to help the other person. This is the Christian view on marriage. You're submitting to the other, not to become the other person's slave, but become that other person's servant. And why? Because that's what Christ did. In the common reverence for Christ, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's what love is all about. You're leveraging everything that you are for the other. And this is the most powerful relational dynamic, if you think about it, in any society, in any group of people, in any group of friends, where, where you start saying, everything that I am, all my assets, everything I do, everything I, I look upon, it's for you. You are more important than me. And if nothing else you can understand you know, about, or get about the whole preparation for wedding, uh, I hope it's this. No, it's, it's to learn from deeply within, not just intellectually, but deeply in the heart to have this so deeply rooted in you what love really is. It's, I give myself to you. I want to help you. And how beautiful it is when both start doing that. Now, this, this submission, though, this mutual submission is begging to answer a question, to ask a question, better said. And the question that it's asking is, how can I help? How can I help? Imagine our relationships, if just once a day, every one of us would say to the other person, how can I help you? Like, I don't want anything. And, you know, things get really busy, like in the family. Imagine the kids, I don't know if there's any smaller kids here. You start coming home after, just this, after this, after the wedding ceremony, and you say to mom and dad, how can I help? Well, you probably have to peel them off the floor. They'd be so shocked. You know, the, he, he's, what? What did he just say? How can I help you? And this is the attitude that, that's behind you, you know, is how can I help? How can I help you? Now, why don't we do that so often? Because we're afraid. We're afraid that maybe the other person's going to have an answer to that question. Oh, yeah, actually, come to think of it, you could help. Now, most of the time, that doesn't mean we're going to lose our life, right? Most of the time, it means a bit of time. It means a bit of energy. It means a bit of not doing so much what I want to do, but doing what you want to do. It's maybe going to sushi instead of having schnitzel or having whatever. You know, it's this capacity of sacrifice, which is so important for love. So mutual submission is about, above all that. It's you first. If it's, it's you first. It's not about losing your authority either in the relationship, right? But authority is not something, it's just because you have a certain position. Authority comes because, because you're a witness, because you're worthy to have that authority, because the way that you're living is you just bring people around you to follow you, because you, you, you have that what seems to be so counter-cultural, which is this attitude of, I'm not here to use my authority to manipulate anybody. I'm here to serve. And then the last idea in this whole thing is generosity. And we see that above all in the gospel. Jesus is making 
these six jugs full of wine, it's about 600 liters of wine. You know? And everybody's already drunk, so you're thinking, I mean, why the, I mean, what's the purpose, right? I mean, there's no need for all this wine. You've got way too much already anyway. And it's a beautiful image of what love is all about. Love doesn't calculate. Love doesn't say, you know, this far and no further. Love doesn't put limits. Love is total self-giving. You know, when you go to someone and you go to visit him and bring him a bottle of wine for dinner, the other person doesn't say, ein burgenländischer Rotwein? You've got to be kidding. No, if it's not a Rioja from Spain, I'm not going to drink it. Here, you can have it back. You can do that, but you destroyed the gift in that moment, right? Or you can't start saying, I don't like the etiquette on that bottle of wine. Or you can't start saying, well, you know, um, that wine bottle it still has, it's from Franconia in Germany, and it doesn't have that European norm form yet. It's still like this around instead of shape. I don't like that shape. You know, you've got to pour that wine somewhere else and take it back. We can do that, we're free people, but we've destroyed the gift at that moment. Because the gift, you can only take it totally or you've destroyed it. And you can only give it totally, right, at the same time. You can't say, well, you know, um, this is my favorite wine, so you can have a snip of it, but don't take any more. I want the rest of it for myself. Because you destroyed the gift. Now, the other person, you're about to give each other to each other. And it's not giving the other person a bottle of wine, right? You're giving yourself. And the other person is so much more than a bottle of wine. And how sad it is when we start putting conditions on love when we start putting conditions on our generosity, and how beautiful it is, how heart-conquering it is when people are generous in their, in their relationships. So I guess we should stop this before start, people start throwing tomatoes. But I, I really wish the bo both of you a very beautiful um, today, obviously, but beyond that as well, a beautiful marriage, and that you go back and back, especially maybe in those tough times, but also in the beautiful times, on what you've said when you've said yes. You know? That you've said something out of the bottom of your heart, out of freedom and not because you have to. That, that you've said that you are more important than me, that my life project is to make you happy and not that you make me happy. And you've said that there's no conditions. Love is no conditions. I'm not going to calculate. I'm going to give you this much and then maybe you're going to give me this much back. That has nothing to do with love. So let's pray for this couple, let's pray for each other, that we, might, that we might also in our lives be greater witnesses of this love that God is, and that these two might become ever more what it says, um, what we said also in the second reading, become one flesh, not obviously in a kind of physical, physical sense, that's not what's meant, but in this very profound sense, um, a communion of two people that are profoundly in love with each other, that stick to each other, not because they have no other option, not because there's no other possibilities, but because they made this decision out of a free act of love, and there's no glue which is stronger than that. Amen. Amen.